Hello, 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 and welcome to the 41st edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to interview luminous sports stars, uh, people that have paved the way for their particular sport. This gentleman that I'm about to interview has definitely done that. But before I introduce him, I want to remind all of you to check out past episodes of Where They At on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and also as well, Catropolis Radio Network. And you can check out the 40 episodes of Where They At. Now, this gentleman that I'm about to talk with. Uh, he's one of the best that the NFL has ever seen. He was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, my favorite city in the country. Um, and he had a distinguished high school career in football and track. He starred at San Diego State University, broke numerous records in his three years there as a running back. He was picked number two overall in the 1994 NFL draft on Indianapolis Colts, became offensive rookie of the year, and became an overall star in the National Football League. After five seasons with the Colts, he joined the St. Louis Rams and was one of the lead performers on the greatest show on turf, winning the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 34, excuse me, as well as the 2000 National Football League Most Valuable Player and three NFL Offensive Player of the Year's Year Awards. He was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2011 and currently is fifth in NFL history and career yards from scrimmage and 12th in rushing yards. And this man is doing great things as well now with being able to provide a lot of um, advice, provide a lot of knowledge to people, which he's going to talk more about on where they at. It's my pleasure to have on the 41st edition, Mr. Marshall Falk. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. How about yourself, brother? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you. For, thank you for being on the show. And uh, there's so much to talk about for sure. Absolutely. And and it's so funny. I want to start with the first question. Uh, you know, like your former coach, Dick Vermeil said, you know, with St. Louis Rams, he said, you try to make people better, you know, and you do an adventure called Virtuity Financial Partners. Please share with the audience how you help people become better towards self-improvement and towards uh, financial improvement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all based on uh, financial literacy, understanding what I didn't know, um, not having uh, the, the, the right education. And, and listen, if you're out there, don't, don't feel as if uh, you're alone or you're by yourself when it comes to money because we work hard for money. We spend money. We do all of the stuff around money, but we don't get provided the education to know how our money is working for us. And it's, 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 it should be our birthright. But if you think about it, if you think about it, at what level in school, was it grade school, was it junior high, elementary, even college, did they teach you about how your money works? We have a lot of doctors, lawyers, I'm talking about people who are very successful that do not really understand money. The system is built to keep you dependent on the people who are in and whom are in the know. And what we're doing is we're bringing those, that, that financial literacy, the financial services, hold on, wait, just wait for it, all free. We give it to you for free to put you in a position so you can make the better decisions for you and your family to set yourself up for your for a better latter years because as we're working and we're making the money now, we get to live great, but it's the latter years that we want to make sure we really get to enjoy. Mm, that's deep. And, and Marshall wanted to, to ask you about, because you, you know, like had a successful NFL career, one of the greatest careers ever in, and you made a lot of money. Um, how, were you able to learn a lot during your playing years to be able to get you to this point now? You know, did you think about that during your playing years about helping others in this way? Oh, man, no. I mean, at that point in time, what you think about is, okay, here's the money that I have. Here's what I'm making. Um, and how do I keep as much as I can? I mean, that's literally all, you, all you're thinking about. And, you know, the, the idea of helping other people, when, how can you help someone else when you can't really help yourself? So uh, I, was in a, I was in a position that I wasn't able to help myself. So I couldn't really help someone else. And now that I have this information and I can help others, that's the special part about, about what we get to do. 
you know, and I just want to, I just want to pay it forward, man. I want to make sure that I, I provide, um, you know, value add to people out there who, who want to know, you know, how their money is working for them. Mm, now, who was that person that changed it for you? That changed that perspective for you? That oh, guardian, man, was, guardian um, angel. I, <laughs> I, I don't even want to call her a guardian angel. It was a, it was a young lady who worked for me at a point in time, and then she left me. She got in this business, and and really and really took took on, you know, the the idea of learning about her money because she was working, um, she was working at a at a restaurant that I own, and at that restaurant. You know, when you're a bartender or you're a bar manager, you're, you make a lot of cash. You don't really understand and making that cash what to do with it. And you're living sometimes paycheck to paycheck. She asked me to take a meeting and this just made sense to me. I was like, wow, man, this is fascinating. It blew me away, literally blew me away. And, um, and then from that point forward, you know, I've been all about crusading to try to help people understand what this is and what we do. Mm, no, that's the, and that's deep that you listen because some people, you know, some people be like, okay, whatever, you know. But it's good that that you listen. You know what I mean to to this person, and and that's that's a that's a great thing. And blessings to her for getting you in this direction. So. Yeah, no, she, um, you know, I thank her all the time. I, I give her big thanks for like waking me up to 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 being educated about about my finances. And there's nothing wrong with having people do stuff for you, but learn what they're doing for you before, you know, and so you can appreciate the services that you're paying for. Mm -hmm. Dig that, dig that. Now, I want to give my condolences uh, for the loss of uh, someone that was um, inspirational for your life. His name was Coach Wayne Reese Sr. Uh, my condolences on on. Um, losing him and, and talk about the impact that he had on your life growing up in New Orleans. Yeah, man, this, this man was, um, uh, I'd I like to say, you know, aside from my parents, uh, the lessons that I learned in life and uh, the man that I am today, um, you know, he was constant. He was always there for me and, and, and other, other players that he, that he helped uh, bring up. And, um, you know, the best part about it is he never asked for anything. He was just always there to support and his leadership and what he meant to me, um, I, I could never repay him. And, um, you, know, may he, you know, may he rest in heaven. I just, um, and I'm so thankful that, that he poured into me. And, and now for me, it's, it's, it's about uh, building leaders helping people become the best that they can be because that's what he did for me. Wow. No doubt. And you had that leadership for sure throughout, you know, throughout your career. Now, definitely. I'm here with the great Marshall Falk pro football hall of famer on the 41st edition of where they at and uh, Marshall now New Orleans. That's my favorite city in the country. I mean, I'm a musician so that the music is that's what gets me when I get there and, and talk about growing up there, the energy, the, the organic authenticity of this city. Um, you know, talk about that. And especially growing up in the ninth war too in New Orleans, you know, I, I know, yeah, I know it's, that it's, it's just ooh, a lot of experiences. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's so unique. Um, uh, the music, the culture, uh, all the stuff that we, that, that we have down there. I just, I, I love, you know, I, I love that I grew up with so much understanding and appreciation for the different types of music. That's just, not just jazz music. And if you, if you, as, as you have been, you've been to New Orleans several times. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a place that when you enter into the culture and the hospitality and how we are as a people, you, 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 you feel connected. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're a part of it. And that's what I love that. I love that we do that. And I love that we provide those feelings for so many people whom whom come to New Orleans to experience the music and then they see the culture, they see the hospitality and the way that we are and, and they feel at home. They feel like, man, this is a place I, I can, I can, I can reside. This is a place I want to be. Wow. Now are your parents, um, were your parents are Roosevelt and Cecile, were they um, from New Orleans as well or did they move to uh, New both. Orleans? Oh, okay. Yeah, both, okay. Both. 
Yeah, both parents are native Ooh. New Orleans. That's that's killing the multiple generations of that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And they taught you about about work ethic. You know that that was instilled oh, in you early. Doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not it's not it, it wasn't lip service. It was it was watching them. Um, they were my role models, watching them every day get up, work, bust their butt and do the things necessary for our family to have. A lot of times athletes and stuff get put in the limelight to, um, let's say, become role models for people. But the real role models are the people that we see in our everyday lives, our mothers and our fathers who teach us the value of getting up every day, providing for a family. If you create the family, then you take care of the family. Yes, yes, that's deep. And and you have five older brothers, you and the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> I know you. That's why you became one of the toughest players, one of the coldest <laughs> players ever. You know, I know they gave you that 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 strength, that vigor. <laughs> Oh, without a doubt, man. They um they they are the reason uh, reason why <laughs> why I am who I am today. All the all the all the bike kickings and fights and 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 tough lessons about how to um, how to navigate growing up. You know, they did a lot of things before me and showed me the what to and what not to do. And so uh, sometimes you gotta have you gotta have those people in your life. Whom, uh, whom do st- who do things like that for you. And, uh, you know, I was, I was blessed that my brothers uh, sheltered me from a lot of stuff and things that they went through. And so now, you know, um, having them uh, be a part of my life and my walk, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome having, having older brothers that, you know, that, that, that you're, that's confidants and people that you can trust. And, um, you know, we get together always and, and have a good time. Right. That's important to have that close knit family, which, which Roosevelt and Cecile, you know, gave that foundation, you know, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Now, now Marshall, now I got to ask you what, what drew you to football? Was it because you had that elite speed? Cause speed isn't taught, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean I, I just, um, for me, it was, it was literally, uh, uh, it, pr- pretty simple. I enjoyed, um, the team aspect of it, you know, all the other sports, you know, you can play them and they're good. It's fun, but, but the team aspect of, of what we do and how you play football, it, it, it can't happen. You cannot make it happen without the team. No one man, no one man can win a football game, mm-hmm. you know, in baseball and baseball, one guy can, can step up and, and, and pitch a no hitter, um, and basketball, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, they can affect the game and, mm-hmm. and, and win a game. Boom. But in football, you need all 11 players on each play pulling and working in the same direction. And if you don't have that, then you don't have anything. And so I just love the team aspect of things and what, what, what's necessary for us to, to be successful in playing the sport. Well, no doubt, and especially being with you being a running back, having an offensive line that can move in synergy. You know, I what need I mean? them. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Like, that's why I watch O lines yeah. when I watch football. I watch O lines. You know how they how they do. You know where how they move. How they it's 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 that's the symphony right there. The way offensive lines work. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> man. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, Jackie Slater, Hall of Famer, dude played played. Uh, I mean, almost twenty years, I believe. Um, what happens is uh, Jackie always talked about how skilled you have to be to be an offensive lineman. Now they, they say you call, you call other uh, positions, skill positions, and they call them the big guys. And, and Jackie used to get mad. He's like, we are the skilled guys. Us five have to work in unison. No other position have to do that. <laughs> and I love to get on him about it. I'm like, y'all not skilled, but. They are, man. Most I'm, I'm talking about. Think about it. If if they don't do their job, it's 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 magnified. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Speaking, you know, the KC Chiefs, they know all about that. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Super Bowl. Um, but wow, and and the footwork too. The footwork counts too. Like being so, oh, it's amazing. You know, definitely. Uh, but Marshall, you are a DB. 
You know what I mean? Like you were a highly touted DB. All the schools wanted you as a defensive back, but you said you didn't love it. You know, talk more about that. Like you didn't love it and how what you love makes you a star. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, you know, my, uh, my passion for playing football was, was more in a sense of, of, uh, of doing the things that was necessary uh, and, and playing the positions that made me happy. And I was happiest with the ball in my hand. I played defense because we needed, you know, that was something that, that was needed for me to do to play on the team and, and going forward, you know, my coach was like, Hey, you have to do what's best for you and don't let people tell you what you can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wow, that's all right. That's, 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 that's how I'm, <laughs> uh, that's how I'm gonna look at it. And, and, you know, I, I gambled on myself mm -hmm. and that's, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to play, um, I wanted to play running back and, you know, you make that decision and that's what you go with. Yes. Yes, indeed. And, and Mr. Curtis Johnson from San Diego state, you know, oh, yeah. came in that, you know, talk about how he impacted your life and gave you that chance to, to play, you know, division one, a, you know, <laughs> as a running back. Man, I just, I just, you know, I, I, I thank God for, for the fact that Curtis was at the game. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was at the game watching someone else. Mm -hmm. And and because of that, you know, he saw me. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I just man, that was that was that was amazing that that happened for me. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And I just think back and I'm, I think about how lucky I am. Um, you know, he he saw the skill set and you know, it was about what can I do to get this guy <laughs> on this team with us and, and convincing Al Luganville to give me a scholarship was the best thing he ever done for me. And uh, from there, it was it was all history, man. I just, you know, you take those type of opportunities and you run with them. Mm -hmm, no doubt. No doubt. And, and that's the thing, Marshall. And you never know who's watching. Like as a musician, you know, you never know who's watching, you know, like that's the thing. And and yeah. he saw you, you know, <laughs> like and you took took advantage of that. And that's the love. Yeah. Your no, love as a running back. You know, you put it out there every game. Yeah. And that's that's it. You know, you, you, you play the game like it's your last game and, you know, you love it. Um, and that's that's how you that's how you go about it. And I. I've always, uh, always went about it like that. And I never, never took it for granted and um, played every game like it was my last. Dig that, dig that. And it translated to you. And that's having, how you have to do it, man. Yes, sir. Translated to you having a Hall of Fame career here with the great Marshall Falk, Pro Football Hall of Famer on the 41st edition of Where They At. My name is Nabatao. So Marshall, you went to San Diego State. Do you keep in touch with TC, right? You keep in touch with him now? <laughs> uh, you know, man, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to TC in a while. Um, his brother, uh, Toby Wright, mm -hmm. uh, I, I see him occasionally. But yeah, TC, I haven't spoken to in a while. Wow, and then you, pretty much, it was like he was Wally Pip, you Lou Gehrig. You know, like, you know, you, you took advantage of the opportunity. <laughs> he got injured. Yeah, you on the scout team, you know, talk about that, how you, that game that you just made it be known that you're starting for the rest of the time at San Diego State. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, um, you know, you, you get those opportunities. And when you get those opportunities, you have to make the most of them. Um, I just, uh, I, 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 I'll tell you, you know, um, at no point in time that I think, what happened was about to happen. You, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to be prepared for the moment. And uh, that moment and, and, and that time for me, it, it was everything. And, um, man, taking advantage of that, uh, put myself in the position that I did, uh, making sure that, you know, you, when, when preparation meets opportunity that you, you make the most of it, and, and th that was my time. 
And I, I tell you, you don't know when your time is going to be. So trying to be ready for the time, you got to be ready all the time because you never know when it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And you ran, I think, 384 and then six touchdowns. <laughs> I was like video game. Like, yeah, it was a it was a it was a little something like that. <laughs> well, and, and no, no, Marshall um, wanted to, uh, you know, talk about your time at San Diego State being in a in a, in a quote unquote mid-major, you know, uh, school. Um, but you got you put that program on the map and you got to play big time opponents on the West Coast and everything like that. And that gave you a barometer for what you become. Did you think you were like, wow, you know what? I got a, I got a shot to be a top five pick in the, in the NFL. You know, I, I think this could happen. I, yeah, I'll be honest, man. I just I, I just played, you know, it was like mm. I, 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 I understood I couldn't control any of that. Um, and I just want to, you know, when you, when you have a dream of, of playing in the NFL, whether you go one, two, three, four, five, it's like, man, I just want to play. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's that, that's all you think of. It's like, man, I, that's all I want to do. I just want to play. Yeah. No doubt. You just let it, let it rock, you know, just, just have that show that love, you know, and everything that's, that's what's up. And and um, now San Diego State, it, you know, San Diego State got some polarizing figures. Athletically, I've come out yourself. Tony Gwynn, God rest his soul, you know, like, oh, man, he was the manager. He came back to be the manager for the baseball team. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, like Tony, how was your relationship with Tony? Very good. Very good. He was uh, he's a guy who helped mentor me and um, you know, he's Mr. San Diego, he and Junior Seau. And um, a lot of the things that, that I did around San Diego was of, his, of the influence of Tony. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that, he's, a great, he's a great man. Lost him too soon. Wow. No, no doubt about that. And, and also two polarizing individuals that occur. I mean, World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg, you know, and who, who was like the most hyped baseball prospect of this century, of this 21st century, pretty much. Like, it's crazy, like how he came like from that um, prominence. But um, do you how about with Steven? Do, do you keep in touch with him or, you know, because that's a different generation, too. Also, yeah, a little, little, little different generation. Uh, a couple of things that we do um, around school. Um, whenever we have a school function to support the school, I'll get a chance to see him. You know, with him, with him still, uh, still, still in the in the baseball world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their season and just so long, man. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard. It's hard to um, to get with those guys and. And uh, you know, make make different things happen. But for the most part, you know, we uh, uh, we're 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 tight niched with guys that you know. When we get together, we get together, and we enjoy each other, yes. and we um, you know we celebrate being Aztecs. Uh huh. That's right. And the claw too, Kawhi. The claw. You know, like he's so polarizing because he's so quiet. Yeah. He's a quiet assassin. Yeah. You know, <laughs> definitely. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man. People. Uh, people mistake him. Yeah, people people mistake him sometimes. You know, it, that's he's a good dude, man. Really good dude. Yeah, and he's funny too. Like his sense of humor, he's starting to show that more now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, you you, you uh, once you once you kind of grow up and you find yourself, um, he's becoming a, a figure. And now you're in L.A. You're not in Toronto. You can't hide in L.A. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna they're gonna people that they they want to know you. You're not gonna hide. I know, like, let's just say that. That's right. And San Antonio, too, he could get away with just being quiet, you know, because that, you know, the Spurs way, you know what I mean? It was like just business. (laughs) San San Antonio, you could be quiet. Toronto, you could be quiet. In L.A., nah, they need to know who you are. (laughs) That's right. And I got to tell you, they're they're, going to, yeah, they're going to encroach on your private life. (laughs) <laughs> Woo-hoo, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, and it's good that him and his running mate, Serge Ibaka, are back together because you got to see that show on YouTube. Serge had a cooking show where he would give, like, he would make very unusual recipes and surprise his teammates and his friends with it. And Kawhi, 
yeah, you should see how Kawhi, how funny he is with Surge. You know, I hope they do something together after after basketball or something. <laughs> Seem to be one of one of his guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We 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 put a lot of guys. Put it like this: when we put guys in the pros, they work out. Yes. We don't we don't put guys in. You know that 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 that's not going that don't do well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You come from San Diego. Like you, you're you're doing well to make it out of there into the pros. It's because you've done something, and that's that's how we look at it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now I wanted to ask you: when you got drafted and you started playing with the Colts, when do you remember your first game at the Superdome? Coming back home and knowing that you were selling oh. popcorn. And I got to ask you, when you returned to the Super Bowl, uh, Superdome, excuse me, did you go to like where you sold your popcorn? You know what I mean? Like kind of look and kind of reminisce <laughs> and you're back as 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 a big time player, big time NFL player. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't get a chance to go, uh, you know, to go back into the stands and and uh, and reminisce in, in, in that aspect. But um, but, you know, I did get a chance to uh, to, to play there and. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, when you get back to go, when you get to go back to the beginning and where things started mm-hmm. and how things started for you. And so that was, that was, that's always, it, it has always been a special place for me to go. You know, I always, um, I enjoy going home. I enjoy the Superdome Any any event I can catch there, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a, such a historic, um, place, man. I, really really enjoy when i get a chance to be to be in that building so many so many fond memories there yeah. yes indeed because i know the teams always get you know before the game starts before the crowd starts coming in teams do their warm-up so i was thinking like oh did marsha go up run up in the state you know because no one's up there you know so it's like <laughs> right right I, I probably should have they would have you know coaches the, the the coaches they were uh they would normally um Run the stand, run the stadiums. The one, the one that worked out mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been a bad idea. But at that point in time, you know, you get so focused in the winning games, man. Yeah, and you forget about those little things. But, but, um, but I, I always, you know, I always kept uh, uh, a spot in my heart for that place. And I just, I love the Superdome. Really enjoy, um, really enjoy uh, being there. And um, it's just awesome, man. Wow, no doubt. Now, Gene Huey is a name. Yeah. Uh, he was a DB himself, which is interesting. But um, he made a major impact in your life, um, especially in, in you becoming the Hall of Fame player you became, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, uh, just just his um, his willingness to take me on. Uh, you know, you get a young hothead <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just, you, you just young, you're hothead, you, you think you know everything. And, oh man, um, the lessons in life that he taught me, uh, and, and I'll tell you, it's still teaching me today. He's somebody that I continuously reaches out to mm. and, um, and, and, and support, to you know, coaching, uh, people that coach you, they don't just coach you on the field. They coach you in life as well. And, uh, and he's done a really good job at, um, at being there, being a support system, someone that I can uh, rely on and depend on. Mm, wow, dig that. And, and your years in Indianapolis uh, overall, um, your second year, then you made the AFC championship game. How tough was it that, that you weren't able to be a part of that game? Oh, yeah, man, it was tough. It was, it was I mean, you know, it's just uh, one of those one of those things that you, you 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 wish never happened, but you understand that it does. And in those moments in life, they they kind of define you in a sense. You know, when I when I think back to to that time, I was just like, you know, that, that's the last thing you want to you want to be is to be hurt. You know, that's that, yeah. that's it. And um, and I found myself in that position, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. But but to watch your team. <laughs> to watch your team, you know, they're, they're playing well, they're winning. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. You, 
being like, uh, oh, this this is happening. All this is happening without me. So, um, oh. you know, it puts it in perspective because sometimes you feel like the game is, um, uh, that the game needs you. You feel like it needs you. And then you find out it doesn't, that it, it, it doesn't need you. It doesn't care about you. And, and I think that's when I realized that the game was going to go on uh, with or without me. Mm. And the quarterback, Jim Harbaugh, is it surprising that he's such a polarizing coaching figure 25 years, 25 no, plus years all. later? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. If you, if you know Jim, you understand the dynamic of him. And, you know, that's, 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 that's just who he is, man. He is, that, that's, that's who the guy is. And uh, good dude. The dude rubs people. If you don't really understand Jim, yeah, he'll rub you the wrong way. But mm-hmm. but for the most part, you got you got a solid individual that's uh, that that you can depend on. Mm-hmm. And there's another individual from Nola that that you could depend on, and he's about to join the Hall of Fame this year by the name of Peyton Manning, who you played only one season with, Marshall. I I know. Do you poll? Do you both talk about God? If y'all play ten years together, uh, you know what? what? What we mainly what we talk about is just the the the, the talent that comes out of uh, Louisiana and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Peyton, it's it's funny for me to become who I became. I had to leave, and for him to become who he became, um, I had to leave. It, mm-hmm. it was it was just one of those things that first that 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 one year we played together we relied on each other so much, and uh, you 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 need to have a team you know it's a team sport and it, it, it's, it takes more than two guys, mm. and so um, that's 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 literally how you look at it and um, I think for he and I, you know we. Um, we 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 enjoyed that year that we played together. I, I loved working with him, man. It was it was fun. Wow. And and then there was another brother, like one of my favorite players ever, Marvin Harrison, on that team as well. You know, like now his preparation, because oh, yeah. his route running, tech, like yeah, his technically sound. <laughs> one of the best, though, man. I'm talking about that dude. Um, it's uh, what what he was able to do. Uh, and when you look at him, you're like, man, this kid, he's just so little. How can he do this? <laughs> but, um, yeah, yes. he was able to not just do it, but do it at a high level. That's right. That's right. And blocking his blocking too. people, people sleep on his blocking and for being a little dude here with the great Marshall Falk on the 41st edition of where they add on the Batel. So Marshall, you went to St. Louis and now the rest was history, but that first season, no one expected the Rams to be in the playoffs, you know, and especially when Trent Green got hurt. I'll never forget Dick Vermeil. And I spoke to Kurt Warner about this um, a few a couple years ago. Um, but he was saying, like, just how Dick Vermeil was crying, saying, We're going to rally behind Kurt Warner. You know, like, it was kind of like, you know, and Kurt, I remember Kurt said, it wasn't tears of like joy, you know, <laughs> but, but, and, right. you know, he was. Was an right. unknown backup, you know, undrafted. And what was the impression? Like, what was your impression of Kurt based on his practice and approach during the preseason? What was your impression? Like, did you feel like, you know what, we can be all right with Kurt Warner? You know, in the beginning, it was kind of hard because we didn't really, you know, the way Mike coached, you didn't really know, like, if the guy was good enough, you know, he, it was hard to tell, mm-hmm. and um, and so it was. It was like we're in trouble. We thought we were in trouble because Mike Martz coached through the backup, so he always everything he he ever said to to the back to to the backup. I mean, instead of talking to the starter, he he coached through the backup. Interesting. And so for us, looking at looking at Kurt, it was like, man, this guy he can't do nothing right. <laughs> Mike Mike said, nah, he's gonna be okay. Don't worry about him. He's gonna be okay. And um, man, was he ever okay? You know? <laughs> and, and I'm just telling you, 
you know, and I know I, we, we, we talk a lot about, you know, preparation and, and all of that stuff, but, but this dude, um, man, to be prepared for that moment at that point in time, you just, you just don't have people that that's ready like that. And for him to be ready, it's, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm impressed with, with who he is as a man more than who he was as a player. But man, to be ready in those moments coming from where he came from, not knowing what his what or where, I mean, that's impressive, man. Oh, that that is. is impressive. Wow, that is. And and Mike March, you talk about Mike March, the offensive coordinator that first year, your first year in St. Louis, you know, creating the greatest show on turf, which is one of the greatest greatest nicknames ever you know <laughs> like for sure um but coach Martz, mm-hmm. like um you know how did he um help you because you you were the star player basically you know what i mean that came in you know how did he help you to be continuously engaged and also how was he able to know how everyone you know how to put everyone in the right positions you know because he had talent there but young talent <clears throat> Yeah, but I'll tell you this about about Coach March and um, the part that made made what he did and, and how how he handled stuff. Um, what he did was he he constantly not just challenged us, but he challenged the game, pushing the envelope, creating new things, trying things that people said, "Oh yeah, I've never seen that done. You probably shouldn't do that." To him that that he never seen it and you probably shouldn't do it that meant we were trying it and he just mm-hmm. he just felt like that, that was that was how who he was and being innovative in the game and if you think about it people don't even understand this you know mike was the guy who started throwing the ball more than 25 30 times a game at your quarterback back in the day if your quarterback threw the ball 30 times you were losing and in today's game, if your quarterback don't throw the ball 30 times, you're losing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that all started with Mike Martin and how he approached the game and what he did. So, you know, he, he gets his credit for, for some things, but not all things. But I'm going to tell you, I think he's the greatest mind that I've ever been around in football. Yes. Yes, indeed. No, and, and for you to say that you've been around a lot, you know, for sure. And and uh, and Marshall, speaking of that, you you just alluded to it about the game now throwing the ball like 38 times is like nothing now. You know what I mean? Per game or something like um, the running back, you know, the, the workhorse running back. Um, it's they're not valued anymore, really. There's very few teams that have that work out that that work um, horse running back that that the, that the offense centers around, you know. Um, so talk about can that return, you know, or rotational running backs? Is that the best way to go because of injury? What's your take on that as a workhorse running back that you were? You know. Um... Uh, to be devalued, you have to devalue yourself. And I think the whole sharing of the backfield is a thing that that a lot of people are doing in the league uh, because that opportunity, you know, it, it, it's presented itself. And when when it presents itself, guess what you do? You you take it. And, and other backs get to step in um, when opportunity presents itself. But I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't the guy that was – giving an opportunity to other people. If you want a job, that's what you do. Show up at the job and work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, a lot of younger players, they, um, you know, they, they, they like having their friends with them. And, um, you know, this, this game is about you showing your value and what you're worth. And if you don't do it, if you don't keep yourself in the game, just watch the game today. These young guys, they coming out, they run the ball two times, tap the helmet, come out of the game. It's like, how, how can you be tired? Like, you, you just carried the ball one time. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you want to be valued, listen, Derrick Henry got paid. Ezekiel Elliott got paid. If you want to be valued, that's all you have to do is show your value and stay your butt in the games and prove that when you're in, 
things are better. And so a lot of people, they just don't do that. Mm. And that's a, that's a, that's a huge part of, of the issues that we have in today's game with a lot of these young guys. Hmm. Talk more about that. Elaborate more on that, you know, because it seems like a generational thing, not just for football, but f- for overall, you know, with the with with the approach in a younger generation, not not generalizing people, but it's it seems like it's evident. Yeah, well, most mostly it's it's it's, you know, they're, they're friends and they want they want their friends to succeed, too. And, uh, you know, the hunger and the desire to be the, 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 the best or the greatest or. It doesn't lie. It's it's satisfaction and 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 that, and that I play. You know, I play like I I made it. You know, that's that that's where the satisfaction lies. And when satisfaction lies in I play, then you know that's that's where it stops. Ah, uh, so wow. Hopefully, hopefully, the thirst to 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 be the best or to be great is there instead of I made it. You know, I don't want to tell people what to do, but um, in order to get to that level, I made it. You can't you can't stop it. I made it. Ah, wow. Wow. That's real, Marshall. I'm here with Marshall Falk on the 41st edition of where they at. I'm the Batel. So, Marshall, now the current running backs, like who really impresses you? You mentioned Derrick Henry. You know, who really has that, you know, that 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 you see that desire to be the best because i mean derek obviously you've seen his workouts right oh my goodness (laughs) yeah yeah i mean how can you not the dude is um it's a freak of nature what he's been able to do and um yeah it's just you you got to be impressed with with how he goes about his business um but you know when i look at I just I like full service guys, the Christian McCaffrey's, you know, Nick Chud, um, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, guys, and I I have to throw my guy Frank Gore in there just because you know to be to be to be mid 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 thirties, still out there, you know, grinding out the yards. You gotta love that. You, you gotta love what he brings to the table. Um, Dobbs, uh, Dobbs over in Baltimore. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. He had a rough year last year, you know, missing some offensive linemen. But, but you know, the reality of it is, um, you know, these guys, man, these guys, they get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one guy that that could get it done if he could stay healthy, Saquon Barkley. Do you think he? Do you think he can maybe be able to have three or four years next where there are not many injuries, or do you see his career being? you know, middle with injuries and stuff. Cause he's a talent when he's healthy. It's hard. It's hard to say, man. Um, you know, he looks like a guy who really takes care of its body. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, just some fluke stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that that's what I can attest to, you know, cause you, it, it, you don't want to say somebody's a, a injury prone or, you know, I don't really know what his, you know, his work ethic is beyond what we see, but he looks, he appears to be a guy who takes care of his body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just want to see him with the, with the, with the healthy offensive line and see, see how he, how it works out for him, you know, because um, I like him, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that he's a guy that, that you can rely on, you can depend on. And, yeah, I just want to see – I want to see him healthy and have him stack some years with being healthy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted to ask you, too, when when you retired – this is a question I want to ask. Like, retirement, um, you played in the league for 12 seasons. Um, and when you retired, how um, how were you adjusting mentally – to that change in lifestyle? Well, I mean, it's, it's a big adjustment. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's, it's a, it's a big adjustment. And um, the things that you have to do in order to, uh, to get yourself, um, you know, accustomed to living a normal life, uh, it's a lot. And a lot of people don't really understand what you go through 
you know, when you've played, when you've played a sport your whole life and now that's, that sport is no longer, you can't do it anymore. You know, doctors can always be doctors. But for whatever reason, you know, because of the violent, the volatility of football, when it's over, it's over. Wow. And the question is, what do you, what do you do? How do you do it? And, um, you want to make sure that, um, you put yourself in the right situations. Uh, you get around the right people, and and you get help and you ask for help. And I think the uh, you know us brotherins, we don't um, we're not we're not good at asking each other for help or talking to each other about the things that uh, that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have to do a much better job at that stuff because yeah. if we don't. If we don't, then then we're gonna have we're gonna have issues. That's deep that you said that because Spencer Spencer Haywood on the last episode of where they at said the same thing about asking for help and talking, you know, to people and things like that. That's real, you know. It's universal. Super Bowl thirty six, the Rams are going for two titles in three years, but there was this quarterback on the opposing team of the Patriots by the name of Tom Brady. And no one knew who he really was, you know, six round pick out of Michigan, the backup for Drew Bledsoe, you know, and, and of course, Mo Lewis kind of changed the trajectory of Tom Brady's life for sure um, with that hit on Bledsoe and gave Brady opportunity. Mm-hmm. Did you see like after playing Brady, were you like, God, this guy's cold. I think this this guy could win nah. some more. Like, that, I mean, Brady, yeah, well, Brady, nah, Brady threw for like 160 yards in the game. I mean, leadership-wise, I mean, leadership-wise. very wise, little in that okay. game. It's, but he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't really the leader because Drew Bledsoe was still on the team. So mm. it was um, – you, you, you could not see it at that point in time. It was not anything that was, that was evident then. And I think, you know, he, he, a, lot of people, a lot of people don't embrace – um, the opportunities that they have. And I'm a, I mean, he, he embraced it. He was waiting for his moment. I mean, you got to think about it. He was the 199th pick at Michigan. He couldn't win the starting job. He was trading time with Drew Henson. So, um, you know, but what he did was he was just waiting for someone to give him that opportunity. And, and man, he got it. And Belichick was like the perfect guy to, to do what was necessary to keep him where he had him and um, it all worked out, all worked out. Well, do you think um, like that game, is that probably the most disappointing game you were a part of that, that Super Bowl? Cause the Rams were the overwhelming favorite and, and like it would have gave y'all a chance to be historically there winning two, at least two titles within a three year period. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, they. I mean, here's the thing: you got to dethrone somebody to take the throne, the throne, and what they did uh, and continue to do. You know, their organization uh, made all the right moves, did everything, you know, you need to do in order to be successful. And um, you know, Tom Brady stepped into an opportunity with with Bill Belichick, and he became, you know, arguably the greatest, you know, player coach uh, combination that we that we have that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And and I remember you mentioned something uh, about Brady and Belichick. You know how the debate was who needed who the most, uh, and Brady won another title with another team. You know, and, and Belichick was seven and nine. You know, break it down on it one year. The, the, the reality, okay. the reality is, right, right, right now, it's 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 Brady. But as we continue to go. Um, we don't know. We don't know where the other side is going. We have no idea. Yeah. I mean, Belichick could win. You know, Brady could play three more years. Belichick could coach 10 more years and he can win five more. Who knows? Yeah. But, but understand that right now it's, it, it says Tom Brady had more to do with new England success than Bill Belichick in this current state. Mm-hmm. But Belichick, I like sign him signing Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Those are, you know, he's trying to he's trying to build that on um, Gronkowski uh, Hernandez combination, which should have happened for multiple years. And you know, we all know well, the circumstances with that. So, well, the the problem is, you know, he wasn't signing that kind of talent when Brady was there, and that was the problem. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you put you put Brady around some talented guys, and you got a chance to see what he what he could do last year. Ooh, that's for sure. And what you think of Leonard Fournette resigning with them? Because he could have easily went somewhere else to start. You know, like you can't you 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 really can't go somewhere else when nowhere else wanted you. Tampa was was his only option last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he got he got let go by the Jags, and it was like, where do I go? So they showed you loyalty, so you show loyalty back. And I'm glad he did that. That's a it's a very loyal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Now I gotta ask you a question. Um, pound for pound, individually, Brady or Manning? Uh, I mean, you go Brady. It's it's. I I don't know why people say pound for pound is about winning championships. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like there's there's really no leg to stand on. You know, it's about it's about winning championships. And you know, when when, when you're it's like apples and apples, it's quarterback to quarterback. It's very simple. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I, but people don't know, like Manning went to four Super Bowls with four different coaches. You know, he was kind of like his own offensive coach and coordinator, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he lost, he lost some of those Super Bowls. And the idea is, you know, Brady has what, seven? Yep, yep, yep. I hear you, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Manning fan, but um, when I look at it for what it really is, I mean, um, Brady, man, and what he did this year was impressive during a pandemic with, with players that he had never never played with and didn't have a lot of practice time with. It was impressive. Your former teams, very interesting. Your former teams are going to go into the season as Super Bowl contenders, the Indianapolis Colts and now the Los Angeles Rams. You know, they were the St. Louis Rams when you were there, Um, but they're making big quarterback changes. The Colts with Carson Wentz and the Rams with Matt Stafford. So what is your what's your take? Do do these are these the two most uh, scrutinized? Will they be the most scrutinized quarterback this year? Quarterbacks this year? Because there's a lot of pressure on them for sure. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, the position brings pressure, and with that pressure comes a lot of money, which both of them have to play the position. But the reality is this: um, you know, I, I neither one of them has won anything or done anything. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford hadn't—I uh, don't think he won a playoff game for the Lions. So I don't know why you're up in arms about him. And then Carson Wentz—you know. He, <laughs> You know, he got a Super Bowl ring that somebody else got for him. So, I mean, yes, the fanfare is behind him. Um, and, I, you know, Super Bowl contenders, I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me to call them Super Bowl contenders. Um, those two quarterbacks, it's not like Brady going to Tampa and they're Super Bowl contenders. They don't have playoff pedigree in them. Mm. Neither one of them. So, yeah, just regular season, regular season stats don't mean none, basically. And so you get to, yeah, not not in the playoffs. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Well, wow, it'll be interesting now because that's the thing, because Stafford, he has no excuses like he has talent around him, that all world defense, you know, the, the receivers around him. He's never had excuses. The only thing he had was that he was playing in Detroit. And I mean, Barry, Barry Sanders couldn't win in Detroit. He's arguably one of the greatest players to ever played. That's right. <laughs> Calvin Johnson couldn't win in Detroit. It's like there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, wow. But um, but once, you know, the injuries, like he just has to get over the injury stuff, you know, because he was going to be MVP that year that, you know, they were 12 and two. He he got them in a position to be the number one seed. Uh, <laughs> we'll, see. We, we'll see yeah we yeah. shall see no doubt so a couple more questions for you sir before i let you go something really important what is your take about the nfl showing seems like they're showing support for players to be um battling you know systemic racism social injustice especially with what was going on i mean what what's your take on the nfl like on on more they can do to really show because it seems like there's still things going on that could be better for, for people of color. Yeah. 
you uh you want to support um have a black owner uh have a black president of a team um have the commissioner be black if you want to support because your league is 90 percent black like don't don't give me these we stand with you little bitty things on the back of a helmet that you can barely see um you know let's 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 not let's not fall for you know the people whom are the issue in the sport the owners and last time i checked owners who own humans well if we go back in the day we know what that means you dig it's indeed that parallel that parallel yeah. you know yeah and- you, you, you're not you're not seeing you're not seeing any nobody's being forced to hire or nobody's trying to I mean Bruce Arians and what he did and he did it mm-hmm. he did it purposefully offensive coordinator defensive coordinator special teams coordinator all black mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strength coach yeah, too. Strength coach too. R- Roger Kingdom, former yeah. gold medalist, yeah. <laughs> Olympic, Olympian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah, no. And he did it. He did it on purpose. And the league is not highlighting it. They're not highlighting it. They don't have HC jobs. They don't have head coach jobs either. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, not one. Not one, but some, 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 some Joe Judd from New England can get the, the Giants job. Long, just crazy, man. Right, right. No, it's real, and no, I, I know that. I wanted to get your take on sad. That. That's what it is. It's it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's sad. Oh, but um. Brother Marshall, no, thanks for your because it's things that we all think, you know what I mean? And and it's 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 you know, we 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 read between the lines for sure. Um, but one more one more part of um of the show, I, I do a segment for the show, you know, for if you were a basketball player, it'd be fast break. If you were a baseball player, it'd be called hit and run. This is called no huddle. And um, what we do is like, you know, I ask you pretty much random questions, quick questions, rapid fire. And then we see uh, no huddle offense going down the field, you know, a la greatest show on turf style, you know. So, <laughs> so here we go. Here we go now. Most underrated player during your playing days, it could be a teammate or opponent, that player that no one talks about now. Uh, most underrated player that no one talks about now um, would have been uh, Oz Hakeem. Yeah, explosive, explosive. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Speedster. Well, and, and SD, SDSU. SDSU too, <laughs> as well. Most eccentric teammate, bizarre. <laughs> Someone that kept you on your toes. Um, most eccentric teammate, bizarre, uh, kept me on my toes. Um, probably a guy named Jeff Scanina. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Big D tackle, just, just loud. Were all the cowboy stuff, you know? It was just he was he was out there. <laughs> was he in St. Good dude though, yeah, in St. Louis, <laughs> yeah, good dude too, good dude, really good dude. <laughs> nice, nice, and wow. Now, win or lose, what was the most exciting game you were a part of? Like a game that kept your heart racing. <laughs> um. Uh, it was a college game that I played. Um, we played. Uh, we played BYU, and it was like a fifty-two, fifty-two tie. That's right. I remember that game. Okay, okay. That was your. That was your junior year. That was your junior year, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, wow. That's right. That the WAC conference. You know, <laughs> offense <Yep>. galore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Wow. Now, the most difficult defense that you found in planning for that you're like, oh, God, they come um, up with some more schemes. <laughs> uh, the, the, 
So there's so there's two parts of this. The most difficult defense to plan for, um, I would have to go with um, uh, when Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. They were difficult to plan for. The hardest defense to play against, and they didn't have much to plan for because they ran a basic defense was was uh, was you know Tampa Bay with Brooks, Snap, Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, those are all the famers, you know, for sure. And and Lynch and Lynch gave you gave you a hit too, right? Like what? Like a hard many a times, oh. many a times. Because I I rarely saw you get hit. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, wow, wow. Now, um, if he didn't become a professional athlete, what would Marshall Fox's profession be? I would have still been around sports. Yeah, I would have still been around sports. I wanted to be an athletic director. I wanted to help kids um, uh, use sports to elevate themselves. A lot of a lot of a lot of kids who come from the inner city that don't have much sports is what is is our gateway to get us out. And showing kids how to use that was something that I that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's all about helping the youth. You know, giving them an inspiration. A la coach Coach Reese. You know what he did for you. Um, yeah. What's the one film that you could watch over and over and over and over again? Never get tired of. Oh, man. Uh, any, any type of film, not sports mm, or drama, whatever. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably one of my favorite movies of all time is The Five Heartbeats. Oh, uh, Robert Towns and people. That's an underrated cat, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Very talented. Yeah. Very talented. Wow, the five heartbeats, brother. That's that's my generation too, man. That's you know, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's that good stuff. Yeah, that scene when they when the cops, those those uh, racist cops, stopped them and they had to sing. You know that scene. Remember that? That who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. And and one one more question in uh, in the um, no huddle segment: the one person, dead or alive, that you would want to break bread with that you never met uh that i never met uh man um uh marshall Luther king yeah dr king yes wonder what he would say about now what's going on now you know what Um, i mean well well, we 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 know what he would say about now you know it's he would say exactly what he was saying back then so for sure Wow, but Marshall, now anything coming up? Any, um, you know, uh, any events you're going to be doing? Anything like that? Nah, man. Like, nah, this is this is it. You know, I um, I engage and encounter and contact people, mm-hmm. uh, trying to help. Pleasure to have you, Mr. Falk, and a pleasure to um to get your perspective and your approach to excellence, and also to get um the the information that you know and and uh, it's, it's it's inspirational. Thank you for being on where they at. Sir. Likewise, bro. Thank you all for listening to the 41st episode of Where They At with the great Marshall Falk, Pro Football Hall of Famer, one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game, and what he's doing right now in helping people becoming more financial literate is just uh it's it's noble, it's a wonderful cause, and, and it's important for all of us to have that education. In, uh, in finances and, and being able to to set up a great life after retirement. I want to thank Marshall for being on the show. If you want to listen to past episodes of Where They At, once again, we're on Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and also Catropolis Radio Network as well. Uh, they stream my podcast and they, they stream my podcast actually 8 p.m., uh, every Monday night on their website, which is Catropolis.net, C-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S.net. And they also have all 41 episodes of my podcast available as well. So, And if you like the music, make sure to go to my website and check it out. My website is N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S 
Bate.com, the Bateals.com. Uh, as this track is from my album, Eclectic Excursions, and the website has Eclectic Excursions available, different links so you can hear the album. And you can go on my Bandcamp page, which is NSI Universal, to be able to hear it on Bandcamp and support it too on Bandcamp. And also, I did a track with a great hip hop artist named Niles and a wonderful singer who was a contestant on NBC's The Voice named Beth Griffin Manley. We did a track which was a tribute to Chadwick Boseman called Superhero Ode to Chadwick Boseman. You can be able to check that track out also on all streaming platforms and Bandcamp too. And if you uh, support it, especially on Bandcamp, portion of the proceeds go to the Chadwick Boseman Charitable Fund for the Arts. So definitely uh, we have to support uh, Mr. Boseman who was a legendary thespian and a legendary humanitarian as well. God rest his soul. And as he's nominated for an Academy Award as well, um, even though he won't be able to receive it, still it's great that he's being remembered for his impeccable artistic talent and his graciousness as well. So once again, this is Where They At. I'm the Bateaus. Thanks for listening. And make sure to treat each other with respect and take care of each other and listen to each other. That's key for us having a better community overall society. Take care, everyone. God bless. Bye-bye.